Welcome to the Biltmore Church Podcast. Our church exists to glorify God by making disciples of Jesus who reach up, reach in, and reach out. And this podcast is a resource that's hopefully going to help you do just that. We are in the final week of our teaching series called The Tale of Two Kingdoms. It's been an awesome eight-week journey. And we're going to be talking about, or we have been talking about, being citizens of the kingdom of heaven while still living in the kingdom of the world. My name is Christian Cooper. I serve on staff here, and I'm here today with our lead pastor, Bruce Frank, and here again with Tyler Flores, the people's favorite, uh, who serves on our communications and production team. Feels like an overstatement. Too much much talent to put on a card. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, I'm excited to talk to you guys today about the kingdom of God and discipleship. Um, So what does it mean in many ways, uh, to live a satisfied life in Jesus. Uh, and what does Jesus specifically have to say about a lot of these things? I'm really excited because, uh, Pastor Bruce, you preached um, from the Beatitudes yesterday, and to say that is a loaded text is quite an understatement, and there's so many different angles, and you can take on it in so many different um, things you can pull out of there, and you did a fantastic job of pulling some, the, the main things out. And I want to today really kind of just walk right through it. Nothing like uber creative. We're just going to walk right back through that passage and keep hitting it from different angles um, and just keep mining that uh, gem of a passage today. Um, But I I felt like I was talking to um, my wife about last night. Yesterday's message ended up being a great bookend to the series. Um, it, in many ways, it could have been the the, the passage that you the started. Start. Yep. The start could of have it. Been. Yep. Um, they really it, it's it's just that kind of perfect uh, book into the whole thing because we talked about so many of the ideas and the themes that we've been talking about throughout this whole series, um, right out of that deal. But uh, a couple of things that just stood out to me before we jump into specifically, I, I thought um, you mentioned how those verses that we're going to go through in a minute are linear. They feed on one another as stepping stones. It's like this is what kingdom discipleship looks like. It's not a checklist. Uh, It's not, you know, you mark this off and you've got it down. That's just a new version of religion. Um, So what I'd love to do is just walk through these verses and spend some time kind of comparing and contrasting these statements that we see from Jesus with what the world, how the world tells us to live. That's the whole thing we've been talking about this whole series. Um, But before we do that, I wanted to ask you um, if we could talk through a little bit for just a minute about what is the context that's happening right before, right after, right in the middle of this Matthew 5, 1 through 12 section of Scripture. Right. Well, I mean, that was the kind of the rhema, the light bulb for me, because as I mentioned yesterday, probably the most fruitful, personally fruitful, eye-opening study that I've done in recent memory, just for myself personally. Uh, I had avoided this text not uh, just because for a variety of reasons, but primarily because I honestly didn't understand it. I thought it was uh, misunderstood it in a lot of ways, like typically is done. It's well-known text, but it's also almost put into, it feels like truisms or mm. it either feels like truisms and people have it in needlepoint and crochet on their wall or whatever, or it feels like another layer of the law, which also mm. was sort of like, I can't even keep, I can't keep the law. So why add to a higher law, which is what the Sermon on the Mount is in general mm. or the way people look at it. So for me, I'm not sure why I switched. It wasn't on the original plan, as right. you know. So, uh, I knew that I, I just felt like I need to go there. And I saw the kingdom language in there, particularly mm. in chapter four, but in chapter four gives the context for the Sermon on the Mount. Chapter four is this, you know, as Jesus starts his ministry off, mm. the crowds are growing, but twice in there. And I think it's 
four or five times just in that little section. He uses the, he uses the idea of kingdom, the kingdom of God. He went about proclaiming the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is near. The kingdom of God mm-hmm. is here. And then several times, twice in the Beatitudes, it's, it uses the kingdom language. So that was a little bit of an eye-opener. But the part that when you look at it in context, uh, the, the mistake that I had made and the mistake that many people make is almost taking these as eight separate virtues that right. you uh, just try to check off. I want to be a meeker person. I yeah. want to be, you know, I want to be a more merciful person. Mm-hmm. And while that application is not wrong, the application is not wrong. I don't, I think that misses the the main focus, which is when you do Bible study, you're trying to ask what is the initial focus that he's trying to do. And for me, the linear progressive step seemed much more in context than just, uh, you know, eight separate blessings that yeah. you are supposed to do. And it leads off the Sermon on the Mount much, much more in my mind. That makes perfect sense as far as the first part of it is mm-hmm. your start of your discipleship journey. Yeah. The middle part is your sanctification. Mean, it's almost the whole thing. You know, salvation, sanctification, glorification is almost the whole the whole thing. So that when I saw that, I was like, that, literally, I was like, mm. I'm going to almost start just talking to Lori forever and ever and ever yeah. about it, which yeah. we talk all the time anyway. But this was kind of next level. Yeah, you're like excited to just tell someone else. You can't well, even wait till Sunday. Those first three, when I saw, when I saw the first mm-hmm. three in the context of the discipleship journey, which makes sense in the context of chapter mm-hmm. four, the rest of it, it was like the key to understand. And, and in some ways, it was helpful for me on the Sermon on the Mount because mm-hmm. yeah. I'm a recovering legalist. Even though I got saved late, I still bend toward legalism and checklist and all of that. And so for me to see it in a gospel saturated way versus a law, because that's what usually people do is they'd say old Testament law and then sermon on the Mount is the new Testament mm. law, just kind of layered on there. Um, but to look at it as a gospel saturated life, a gospel infused life, something that has to be done with that as the metric, then it began to make sense, yeah. you know, inside out, not outside in. So that's, that's kind of where it started. It was, I, yeah. I had fun. Yeah, I thought one of the things that was really challenging for me was it's such a well-known passage of Scripture. And for me, you know, I've heard it so many times, read it a number of times, and you can kind of skip over some of the words and the phrasing. And I thought you really challenged us as a church to not do that. I was thinking about specifically the, the, the phrase that yesterday, which is, you will see God. This is in that passage. We'll read it in a minute. And, uh, you know, I've heard that and I've never really thought about that before. It's just like, oh, that feels good. You know, it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But what does that mean? Same thing mm-hmm. with meekness. What does that actually mean? Um, and and the, the more you, you deep dive on some of those things, the more that structure that you unrolled yesterday was fantastic. Any thoughts, Tyler, on um, stuff from yesterday or Sunday? Yeah, no, for sure. I, what I think for me, what you said earlier, I think was where I was in the sense of that this was an incredible um, bookend to a series that's been about what what it is that Jesus offers, which is himself, and what it is the world, this broken thing that the world is saying, hey, I've got this really awesome thing. It is... <laughs> And I think this was the fact that you ended what was effective on what was effectively a salvation message that like, look, all of this, everything we've been talking about living in this space that is that is antithetical to the world around us. It has to start, stop and live in Jesus mm-hmm. himself. You've got to respond to this character of Jesus. And and then you gave a really clear roadmap to how to respond to Jesus. And so for me, the buck stops right there. And so I, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. So let me just read through these verses and I would love to, uh, let's just pull out whichever ones you feel like are are helpful. Um, I want to pull out essentially 
how these ideas of Jesus differ from the world's view on the same topic. Um, so I'm just going to read through, starting in verse um, 3 here. He says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Um, actually, I will stop there. Those are the first three that you talked about. Why don't we start there and just right. talk through what's the compare and contrast with the world's ideology about a lot of these things? Uh, and again, you can ap apply all of those, like the first one, poverty of spirit. There's certainly you can make application about just a general sense of humility for mm -hmm. the believer, for, you know, the, the posture you have. You know, uh, we've talked about confidence and humility, but... I think the immediate thing is this is how the discipleship journey begins. Mm -hmm. That was the part that was very helpful for me. The poverty of spirit has to happen as God begins his rescue of you, at least as far as what we can see. So the first part of it was, for, it was great for me to look back. You know, I mean, I, I, I've looked back before and tried to trace God's hand in bringing me to faith. Uh, but it was helpful to put it in that context where it's like, all right, that's, that is exactly what had to happen. Even though I didn't know what was going on at the time, you know, poverty of spirit, there has to be that humility that, you know, I do not have what it takes. Yeah. yeah. I, at my core level, I am a deeply rebellious person, yeah. um, you know, talking about pre pre-Christ. And then that, then that would lead to mourning over my sin. And then the, but, but the mourning leads to comfort as God begins to, the Holy Spirit begins to shift the wickedness of our sin to the grace that is, is being offered. And mm -hmm. then, uh, the idea of meekness was that whole idea of changing, changing bosses, yeah. which is, we, you know, the Lordship of Christ, uh, yeah. you know, surrendering to the Lordship of Jesus that, and so that to me, that third one is the point where it makes the most linear sense, that is the point when you're tracing the Christian's journey. That's probably the point of salvation. That's the point where you enter into being a disciple. Um, and then the rest of them used to, again, that's the salvation part. They're all great application stuff. You can, there's a lot to be said for yeah. all of those things. And, but it, the, that makes the most sense is that that is the discipleship journey. That's the beginning. Mm. Yeah. I think, um, when I think specifically about poor in spirit and if we're starting there in, in our salvation journey, then immediately the thing that, what's interesting to me is if it's where I need to start when I encounter Jesus, then I, I, I ask myself, what is, what is its opposite? What is the thing that stands in opposition? What is the world yep. handing me that as a, as a temptation, whatever you, however you want to frame it, Live, live here instead. Live here and don't be poor in spirit. Be this. Mm -hmm. And I was, I was processing this yesterday, and I was like, well, I, I think it's, it's a sense of entitlement, right? It's this like I have this. I, I don't, I don't need anything. I have, I have everything that I need right here. I have what it takes. I can do the thing. I think we've talked about this on the podcast before. That, yeah. And if I, if I, if I'm starting there, then I, I can't meet Jesus on the way. Mm -hmm. Not that He can't meet me, but that I'm not, that I'm not going to find Him down that road. Um, and so as I'm, I was thinking about these in terms of like, what are, what are these senses of entitlement that stand in opposition to each one of these phases of this journey? Um, and for there, I think it's, it's a sense of that I've got this, this is, this is my, I have, mm. I have, I have a right to solve this problem on my own, which mm -hmm. I'm per personally very guilty of wanting to solve the problem on mm -hmm. my own. So no, just, just, just let me solve the problem. I've got it. I've got it. Just, just <laughs> let me I mean, the number of times I've sent my wife out of the room because I'm hanging <laughs> blinds and she's like, let me, let me just, and I'm like, no, you, you go, you go elsewhere. I'm going to solve this problem on my own. That is antithetical mm -hmm. to the first stage of, of understanding right. what Jesus 
needs to do for me. Yeah, and the, I mean, the poverty of spirit we've talked about, we sin kind of two general ways, or our rebellion is in two different mm -hmm. ways. One of them is, you know, one of them would be just rebellion, but the other one is religion. And mm -hmm. so what Tyler just said is, I got this. That is that is the call, that is the clarion mm -hmm. call of religion. I got this. Now, I got this might be doing whatever a number of things, and so that's why the poverty of spirit, and, it, and that poverty of spirit can happen. I mean, God, we had people saved yesterday, even in between services. And mm -hmm. so that can happen... You know, in in five seconds, uh, a lot of times it happens over a period of time. It's it's hard. It's you know, God's at God's at work, but the but the, the poverty of spirit. Sometimes it's dressed up much more respectable in the uh, clothes of religion, mm. and the, the but the clothes of religion, it in its essence, it's still it's still I got this, I got mm. this, I can do whatever it, I can do certain things, and so the poverty of spirit is I ain't got this. At all. I am, it's like Isaiah said, you know, woe is me for I am undone. And he's like, I'm a dead man. That's what poverty of spirit is that I do not have, I do not have the resources to, to deal with this. Um, but I think it's, that's the part of poverty of spirit is that is the start of, you can't, if you don't get there, you can't even be saved. You can't be a yeah. disciple. You might verbalize it differently. But if you're still saying, I got this, you cannot say Jesus is the one, Jesus <laughs> yeah. has got to rescue me. Yeah. I was thinking through, um, and, and the, the other part of that, coming back to that discipleship element is you need that in order to come to Christ. Um, but I've found that the closer I get to Jesus, the, the, the more I am made aware of my current poverty Certainly. of spirit. Certainly. You know, that doesn't yeah. go away. Mm -hmm. um, that gap doesn't close in many ways. It doesn't actually widen my perception of right. my sinfulness, I guess, probably. Uh, gets greater as I as I get closer and closer to Jesus, and so it's step one. It's also the A to Z in many ways. It is, and I would say that when you get to these ones here in a second, I think that for the Christian, the hunger and thirsting for righteousness is going to be what you just said, because it is a little different. One of them is like I don't have what it takes. I am undone. I am lost. I'm estranged from an, uh, from from Almighty God. Then when you're a son or daughter, He begins to put in you a hunger and a thirst, and then he shows you things that maybe not didn't even bother you back when you were a brand new believer yeah, or whatever, and yeah. that's just called lordship. It's just yeah. the, just daily surrender, and he shows you another character issue, he shows another action. So yeah. anyway, that that whole, this was fun. This was this <laughs> was a blast, awesome, this was awesome a blast for me. It was well known, but I did not understand yeah. it at all. Yeah, that's amazing to hear, just to hear that. I mean, it's, it's cool to, um, just for you to have the humility to say that is, is already an awesome thing to hear when it comes to studying God's Word. So let me go ahead and jump in. You mentioned that um, hunger and thirst for righteousness to these uh, next few verses here, which is, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. I'd love to clarify that, what that means in a second. Um, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And then blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. So how does this little section of teaching differ from the world's view and the view of religion? Again, this is to me that when you look at it, this is the sanctification process of a believer, whether it be the way I deal with other people as far as mercy, whether it deals with I get a good be a part of God's mission, being a peacemaker, whether it be in my own personal walk, I'm hungering, thirsting for God. That's really what it, righteousness just means right standing. And mm. so for the believer, you have right standing because of the imputed righteousness of Jesus. But that then fuels, I want to, I want to be, what you just said, I want to be, clo I want to be closer. I want right. to be closer to God. You know, we're going to, this summer when we do Psalms, Psalm 42, one, I think it says, as the deer pants for water, so my soul thirst for you, oh God. Mm -hmm. And then most people think of that deal as some serene little setting where the deer is 
calmly sitting by the stream. <laughs> and But that's not the picture. The picture is this deer being chased by mm. who knows what, hunters or something. And he is just, he's out of breath. And he is just like, I got to have God. I got to have God. Mm. I've gotta, and that's the hunger that you're, that you're looking at right there. He's hungering. I want to be closer to God. And uh, there's things that even as a believer, you and I do. For that, I mean, we talked about it yesterday. The Puritans called it vivification. What fans the flame of my walk with Jesus? Some are basic for all of us, all three of us. There's like fundamentals you have to have. Yeah. And then there's some other ones that are maybe unique to you and what how God encourages your spirit. You know, for Tyler, it's putting up blinds and or whatever, you know, might be. <laughs> there's a lot of sanctification. Literally, that, that is that, not that it. Is yeah. the, uh, that is the sanctification checklist right there. Um, so that was that, to me, this is a section of where you were progressing. And you check the sanctification box off in different orders. Right. We all do. But in that, there's a pretty normal order there. You're hungering and thirsting for righteousness. You're under, then you're starting to understand, listen, God's going to use me as a, as, you know, as a peacemaker. But also there's confession of sin. And my, my heart is pure, but my mind is still jacked up. Um, I would actually say, you know, if you look at it technically, we don't have a pure heart. We have a purified heart. Mm. We have a purified heart. And so, you know, when David said, create me a clean heart, oh God, we, we have a cleansed heart more than a clean heart because my heart is, you know, deceitfully wicked. Who can know it? But at the same time, it's been cleansed. And so the idea is my mind is being renewed, renewed so that my mind eventually catches up with my cleansed heart. Wow. Or is catching up with it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, in terms of the sanctification, this, this sort of chunk that's dealing with sanctification again, I I don't know why I've just, I've just now in this moment, I'm wondering why I always deal with things from like, what shouldn't I do? And maybe there's a legalism conversation that maybe you and I can have off the, <laughs> off the mic. Some pastoral so, check in there. Yep, yep. Yep. That could be. Workspace righteousness. <laughs> there it is. There it is. But I, I sort of, again, ask myself the question, what is, what is, what, what is the opposition? What's the thing standing in opposition to my sanctification journey that's being put onto the tables, being slid across the tables? Hey, this looks good. This looks tasty. Like what, what is that thing? And when I look at hunger and thirst for righteousness, like the merciful, pure in heart and being a peacemaker, I think what it, what it's sort of boiling down to is that like just because I want a, a, like a thing or a feeling, that doesn't mean that that that's the that's the right thing or the feeling. So like in the case of like I don't I don't always crave righteousness that being mm-hmm. Christ likeness, and so often I I said well I don't this doesn't feel right I, I don't running after Jesus just doesn't feel worth it right now and so I must be something must be wrong with him. And like each one of the mercy, like, like seeking justice for myself and for, especially for others. Like, I'm like, no, this is, this is my role. This is my duty. It's like, no, no, that's, that, that, that role belongs squarely in God's purview. Um, The, the things that I want to run after, they do not always, and actually I would say they infrequently represent Mm. Like the truth of Christ's likeness, and so when I look at these, I guess these traits, these these beatitudes, <laughs> we haven't actually said it. Have we said it? Yeah. The beatitudes. If I, as I look at these, I recognize that these are these are the things that they stand in opposition to the to the things that I, I have to lay down. Mm. Well, what's interesting is that like that it's, it's such a cultural god right now, which is your feelings define. That that, mm-hmm. that is what is true. That is what is right. So if you're feeling like you need this, that's what you need. Mm-hmm. And, and Jesus is quite literally saying the opposite here. You know, I'd say one of the overarching things about here we didn't mention about the whole idea of blessing is this is also reinforcing. Listen, God is for your joy. Mm. God is not against, God is for your flourishing. God is for your joy. He is just saying, he's trying to pull back the curtain and saying, this is actually the way 
to have that. Yeah. Again, it's a hard word. It's called, it's makarios, which is a weird word. It's usually translated happy, which is, it's not wrong. It's just not complete. Then you've got, it's kind of a mixture of joy, happiness, satisfaction, contentment. It's almost like congratulations. You know, if you are hungry yeah. and thirsting for righteousness, you are starting to go into that abundant life, not just the eternal, but the abundant life. Um, so anyway, that, yeah, the, the whole thing just starts to open up that God is, you know, God is for, you know, God is for me. It's not about me, but God is for me. God wants me to flourish. God does not, you know, everybody, I think it's Augustine that said every single man, every single person thirst for happiness. Mm. In other words, there's like, uh, you know, in Ecclesiastes, it's talking about God has put eternity in our hearts. It's, it's the stuff of the world is great. It goes back to idolatry. The stuff of the world is awesome. As long as we don't look at it to do for us what it is not ever made to do. Yeah. If it's a, if it's a garnish, you know, then we can rejoice even like, but I think uh, who was it that said it? it's like like a like a great steak like a great steak if 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 I don't have a relationship with God that's flourishing all that is is a great steak and it's awesome but it's gone mm-hmm. but if my if I look at that it's like that is a gift from Almighty God He could have made this thing tasteless instead He's making this ribeye an amazing I mean this is awesome thank you God then it then it doesn't terminate on itself yeah. and that's the deal whether it be a steak or you know some blessing. It's like it doesn't terminate on itself. It it rises up to gratitude to God. Does and, that uh, apply to, to vegetables as well? It, it's not. I don't know if it no, does. But it's not, <laughs> uh, not in and of themselves. Not in There's of a of couple good ones. Yeah, there I, are. There are. Before we before we jump to the last one, I, yeah. I I did want to like I wanted to sit on peacemakers for a minute mm-hmm. um, because I think it it whereas hunger and thirst for righteousness and merciful and pure in heart they are mostly inward. Although merciful has some outward like showing, mm-hmm. but peacemakers you talked about yesterday. Um, Peacekeepers versus peacemakers, um, and and I, I, I for some reason my brain went right to uh, the Great Commission mm-hmm. and how like ultimately the Great Commission is a call to be a peacemaker. It's 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 to it's to go and carry the message of the peace of the gospel to those all around us. For and for sure. some reason my brain just went right there, and I was just like, oh my gosh, right here, right in 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 this this early part of the the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is 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 leaning into that ultimate command. It's like, go, make mm-hmm. this, bring peace, go. Cause there is no great, I can't walk into a room and say, I'm going to, I'm going to bring some peace into this space and not talk about Jesus. Yeah. I'm not going to, in my neighbor's life, in my family's life, I'm not going to be mm. able to make peace a reality, mm. like real peace, real lasting peace. Unless Jesus is a huge part of the equation. Sure. Well, I mean, Paul says you're an ambassador. And so I think that is actually looking back. I would have used that language. Cause that's something we can, okay, I'm an ambassador. I'm a representative of mm. the King of the kingdom, because there is no peace. You know, you look at people and there is no, Romans 5 says we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So no matter how awesome somebody's life looks, if they are estranged from God, then you are a, again, people look at it as, they look at it more as peacekeeper versus peacemaker. That's why I think it's an evangelistic push, not just, Mm -hmm. I'm going to come in here. It's in, um, you know, make everything calm and tranquil. That's not really yeah. not it. You are an ambassador. You're a, you're a great commission lens is what to look at. And that makes perfect sense as you see it linearly versus yeah. eight separate attributes. Yeah. Um, one, one thing about, uh, let me go back real quick to the, uh, you need to talk about the stuff we hunger for and, uh, and the satisfaction. And, and I, every, if you walk with the Lord for any length of time, I think we've all gone to, we've had times where like you felt so close to the Lord you thought, man, I will never need anything else. 
I will never, you know, you're just so satisfied in the Lord. But we all know that, okay, at the same time, you know, fast forward a week, turn a few pages on the calendar, you know, and then you're, you know, you're in the ditch again. Mm-hmm. And so I think going, that's why that gospel lens is so helpful. There will be times you know, we want to hunger yeah. and we will be satisfied mm-hmm. when that happens. But again, this is not heaven. We're going to have the ups and downs. The yeah. tide comes in, the tide goes out. Uh, but what we're supposed to do is try to, what fans the flame? Mm-hmm. That's why I love those, the Puritan language of, I got to mortify some stuff. There's some stuff that just quenches my walk with the Lord. And then there's some stuff that feeds it. And uh, I want to take this bad stuff out and put the good stuff in. Yeah. And far be it for me to let us talk about satisfaction and not drag C.S. Lewis into the conversation. Here we go. Because it's, it's just impossible. <laughs> you have to do it, man. I have to do it. But are, you a big, you like a, are you like a C.S. Lewis junkie? I think he's a historian I, 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 at this point. I am. I am. Okay. I, I, I really do. He's got not, some good we don't stuff. have to dive into he's got like, some heresy, too. But he's no, got no some he good does. Stuff. He absolutely does. But I think. I, I think I think his perspective on like the the holistic nature of scripture. <laughs> sorry, that uh, got me. <laughs> I crack, we're cracking Christian up today. All right, sorry. I love C.S. No, Lewis. No, no, no. Eighty percent of it. No, no, yeah, for sure. And, but I think I think I think somewhere where he where he hits the nail on the head is on the topic of satisfaction, mm. um, and that that God God created us for Himself. Mm-hmm. He created us for that for that relationship for that worship. Um, and even when we're when we're finding a echoey, pale, shadowy satisfaction in other things, we still know. Yeah. We still. This is not. I got to find something else. I, this is not. Man, this is. I got. I've got to go deeper into this. To this habit. I've got to. I've got to. Because it's it's not just like I'm gonna do drugs to to. It's not just that. It's like I'm I'm obsessed with cars and I'm gonna spend all of my time underneath the hood of this old, you know, car, I'm going to avoid my family because this is where I'm finding some peace, some joy. I got to get some, it's, it's all this, this echo, like this, I, I've, there's a hunger, there's a thirst it's, inside it's, of it's me. It's Lewis the one that said, okay, if, if you find yourself longing for something else and that's indicative of this is where right. it's not our if home. If I find within myself a desire, which nothing in this oh, world oh. can satisfy, okay. then the only conclusion I can reach is that I was made for another world. All right, you have to quote it's a Bible. It's not on his you notes. Got, you got to quote a Bible verse <laughs> if you're going to quote C.S. Lewis, too. Just kidding. Just jacking. All right. That's great stuff. Uh, this next verse here that kind of wraps up, we could, you know, that's a whole sermon series. Um, but I just want to uh, briefly read it and talk through this culture of instant gratification versus what Jesus is proposing here, which is, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Um, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And then kind of, I would say these are tied together. Blessed are you and others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who are before you. Mm -hmm. Um, Thoughts on, just to kind of wrap things up here, what's the, uh, uh, what's Jesus offering here that the world and the religion cannot when it comes to to suffering instant gratification? Um, He's, Talking long term mm. is what he's doing. He's like every financial investor says, think long term. Jesus is saying, think long, long, long term. And, um, you know, it doesn't make sense. There's not a single person that said, hey, if you want to be blessed, then, you know, just then go get uh, reviled, go get spit upon, go get mm. whatever. But number one, that was his case. But number two, he is talking, to, he's reminding them. And I would say he's actually looking toward He's looking toward heaven. Part of it is motivated by heaven. This is this world is not your home. So the way he ends it is uh, thinking long term. Uh, if you know you follow me, at times that's going to be uncomfortable, and uh, we haven't had a lot of it. We have a little bit of it now here in the West, right. but again, this uh, you know globally big picture his, historical picture. As we've said two or three times, we have been living in a historical anomaly in the U.S. for 200 years. Mm-hmm. There's virtually no other civilization you can look at that has had so much. 
um, favor if you want to, mm-hmm. or at least support. And so we're getting a little kickback and it's a little bit of growing pains for us, but we got brothers and sisters down through the ages. They have this verse. I mean, you, you know, I've been, you've been to places where, yeah. you're, where it, it, it costs oh, to yeah. be a disciple of Jesus. And it costs a lot more than, than even what he's mentioning right here. Uh, and what we've talked about is you can look right there. You see more joy oftentimes in places where it is difficult and hard, but they have a very good, strong walk with Jesus. Yeah. Then you see, and you can walk by the, you can walk in the mall here, and this the deep sadness yeah. is such a striking characteristic to some kid who knows Jesus mm-hmm. on the other side of the world. It's got a flat soccer ball. Yeah, it has nothing. It has nothing, and yeah. but they got but they got Jesus, so they have everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that that is all that always comes to mind with yeah, that one. That's amazing. Yeah, and I think following on the tra- and you might have said this yesterday, I can't recall, um, but following on the track of of the linear nature of 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 these, of these beatitudes is that what he just said before was, are the peacemakers. So my, my, the inference I'm going to make is if I take it upon myself to be a peacemaker, to walk in and say, I, I have a peace now it's different than what you think. And his name is Jesus. Mm. Then there is a logical result that will often occur. And that's persecution. That's yeah. someone's going to say, I don't, I don't want what you're offering. Walk away with that. And but I still have this command. I still have the command to bring peace. So I, I have to remain. Mm-hmm. I have to continue to hold Jesus in front of me. And so people are not going to respond well to that in, in many, many contexts. Um, and so I, I think it, I think it just, it doubles down on the idea that Jesus is leading us through, say, this is, this is all, this is all a part of the journey. Mm-hmm. So look ahead of you because what's coming may not be what you would call quote unquote easy, but I'm going to walk through it with mm-hmm. you. And he's saying reward. And that's a different Topic, most Christians, 90% of Christians have no idea about rewards. Mm. Look at 1 Corinthians 3, and that'll encourage your heart. So rewards. Now, what do those look like? There's some debate on that. But it, it clearly says the Christian, you're not rewarded with eternal life, but those that have eternal life, you are rewarded mm. based on, uh, you know, it's, you, you, where you spend eternity is based on your belief. How you spend eternity is based on your behavior. It's mm. mm. a great clarification. And and what he's talking there about, you, you it kind of goes back to what he's going to tell him. It's like nobody leaves, you know, nobody suffers and is not paid back a hundredfold is what he's going to tell us. Like, so he's given the big picture. He's mm-hmm. he, like, don't think this little tiny, I think it's Francis Chan that took that long rope and he yeah. put a little red dot at the end yep. or something. He's like, this is your 70 years now. And then this entire thing yeah. here, that's eternity. And so the picture is, yeah. is uh, it's long-term, long-term perspective. Long-term. Yep. That's, that's good. Great. But it's also a challenge. I would say this, because if you're not getting any pushback at all, you do have to ask, which team are you on? Yeah. Yeah. Have I switched teams onto Team Jesus? Yeah, Team Jesus. That's what we're. Trying I had this to go mental for. image of someone with the with the soccer ball, like running the opposite direction. He's like, "I'm all the way to the goal." He's like, "Well, you're running towards the wrong goal. That's why there's no defenders." Yeah. 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 See, I could. We need to do the podcast before the sermon. <laughs> we can book because in because the illustrations get better if we if we do this. Uh, somebody before. mark it down. Pastor Bruce wants to use one of my illustrations. <laughs> we did it. I did. I mean, yep. at that point, we may as well wrap the podcast. We've yep. won now. We've did it. That's yep. great. Um, hey, seriously, this has been a, a great journey for our church over the last several weeks. Uh, so impactful, I know, for me and for so many of our people. Pastor, thank you for um, preaching God's Word faithfully over you the got, last several you weeks. Got, are you going pl- to plug the, the transition series to Easter? That's what I was about to do. You're going to do it? You All know right. exactly where I'm going. Let me see. I hadn't seen it. Let me see how you're going to plug it. Oh, man, that's a lot make of pressure me, there. Make me want to. Hey, next week, <laughs> we're starting a brand new teaching series called Famous Last Words. And the whole idea is we're going to be pulling back the slingshot. That's your verbiage. I just stole it. We're pulling back the slingshot 
toward Easter um, by preparing our hearts for uh, Easter Sunday. So that includes uh, the next three weeks. We're going to be looking at some of the last days of Jesus's life, some of the last things he said, some of the last things he did. Uh, And then we're going to have Good Friday and Easter on the tail end of that. So shameless plug again there, make plans to join us in person for Good Friday and then also for Easter services. We're so excited as we do pretty much every Sunday, but especially to celebrate the empty tomb um, for the next several weeks. Well done. Feel good about that? Good and faithful service. <laughs> well done. All right. We did it. <laughs> Is that problematic at all? It's early in Maybe. the day. It's early in the day. It's, it's time change week. We're all just... It's like C.S. Lewis. <laughs> we all threw a little bit of light yeah. heresy in there today. So, so. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. That uh, was problematic. <laughs> see, now all three of us, we've done it. We've right, done. We need to wrap this. We do need to wrap. Hey, uh, church, hope you've been encouraged today as you follow Jesus. And I uh, hope you've been encouraged by, by God's teaching just as much today as every single day. Uh, you know how we're going to end it. You are loved and you are sent. <laughs>